Welcome to the jungle. A tremendous Monday to you. What's going on? All right, we've got a whole lot to get done. It's going to be a good day. Really good day because we've got some hot topics. Some things I know you care about, so let's get into it. Telephone number is 1-800-636-8686. Today is the one day you don't want to be passive. Today is the one day you don't want to lay out, kind of check it out, see how it develops. I mean, there's so many things to jump right into right now. 1-800-636-8686. Do not wait for me to set it up for you. Just pick a topic. Get a topic. Come on in here. Let's do this. Go all in. You have your phone number. You know where to find me on the X at Jim Rome. You know where to email me, Rome, R-O-M-E, at habitake.com. So coming up at 940, Ross Tucker, always murderous his segment. He's going to join me at 940. We'll break down the NFL weekend. Philadelphia, hammered by Frisco. I know he'll have thoughts. Top of hour number two, Chargers grind out a win over the Patriots. Not the prettiest win. They'll take it. They'll keep moving. Patriots, still the worst team in the AFC. Eric Kendricks, linebacker for the Chargers, joins us once again. The big head, James Kelly and I, top of hour number three, and we will get into the Monday night matchup. So we've got all of that to get to. Let me not waste any time. You know, we are into December. You're running out of time. I'm not here for the last week of the year. So get up in here. What do you want to talk about? The XR4TI is good. I am good. What about you? Why don't we start with Michigan man? Ah, just kidding. Yeah, because I was going to do that. Come on, Michigan man. Forget it. Never going to happen. Hey, Jack Savage, what are you doing here? Shouldn't you be fighting the entire state of Florida right now? Let those hands go, dude. All right, no, it's Monday, so we're going to start with the NFL. And I'm going to start by asking, what a difference a month makes. Am I right, Wisco fam? About a month ago, your Packers were 2-5. and five. Most of y'all were acting like the entire franchise was on fire. Like all of a sudden, Lambeau had become a house of horrors. And it wasn't only Wisco fam, even Wisco GM was hesitant to say that Jordan Love was the guy for the long-term in Green Bay. Something tells me Goody has got a very different take this morning. Something tells me Wisco fam is seeing the light on Love. Something tells me Wisco fam thinks that they have their guy. After watching their guy straight up outplay Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes? in prime time to get the pack back to 500 last night. They are back to 500 and very much in this thing. Really impressive performance from Jordan Love. And that's not some one-off. That's not some anomaly. That's not some isolated incident either. Dude has actually been balling for weeks now. And it's hard to say that he isn't looking the part. The part right now. Guy looks good. Really good. You know, the part of the Packers franchise quarterback. As Keyshawn Nixon put it, after the game, Aaron tossed him the keys, and now Love is driving that Porsche. <laughs> man, Terry, good. I told y'all, man. You know what I'm saying? The media talk crazy about him, but he's a hell of a player and he's a competitor. I like. I got here last year. I sat and watched him. You know, learn from 12, and uh, 12 gave him the key, and he's driving the Porsche now. 
He's driving the Porsche now. He's not wrong either. Considering that 2-5 and five start, considering the injuries on both sides of the ball, considering how young this team is, and considering how hot the Heat got after that rough start, it is pretty amazing where they are. They're sitting in the NFC as the number seven seed, fresh off going toe-to-toe with the defending champs in prime time and getting over. I mean, who would have saw that at two and five? That Green Bay win was about as impressive as the loss was alarming for the Chiefs. Because regardless of how much faith you have in Mahomes, it is undeniable that this team has legit issues on offense. Really, for the first time in the Mahomes era, his numbers are down across the board. I'm not saying it's his fault. Far from it. But that passing attack just does not scare anybody anymore, which has got to be really scary for Chiefs fan. The passing attack isn't scary, and the defense that was actually scary for most of the season is no longer what it was earlier in the year. So I really don't want to hear from Chiefs fan about the ref show today. Yes, The ref show is the worst show, as always. And somehow, when you believe it can't get any worse, it does. Yes, they missed a blatant P.I. on the final drive last night. And? And? So what? They always miss something. They always blow something. That's why they're the stars of their own long-running show, the ref show. Tell me something I didn't already know. What I would like to know is this. Since when did it ever matter to the Chiefs? Since when did the Mahomes-led Chiefs need to cry and beg for flags to win? Since when do the Chiefs need the ref show bailout to win a big game? If that's where you're at, Chiefs fan, blaming the ref show, then you need to get a grip and realize you've got much bigger problems than the ref show. Or maybe that's why you're all fixated on the zebras. Specifically because you don't want to think about those real problems. Listen, I'm not here to throw a bunch of dirt on Big Red. It's my guy. I'm not here to throw dirt on Mahomes or even the Chiefs. But I'm sure as hell not going to sit here and ignore the fact that they've got problems. And they aren't what they were. Because they have problems. And they aren't what they were. And these problems are nothing new either, by the way. These problems have nothing to do with the ref show. So enough about the damn ref show. Let's talk about the alleged game of the year. Why don't we talk about that for a minute? The game of the year, which turned out to be one of the biggest disappointments of the year. Which turned out to be not much of a game at all. The game of the year was basically a gigantic Philly faceplant. Only in Philly could the head coach be out at midfield barking at the other team before the game just to turn around and get his head caved in. Only in Philly could a dude named Big Dom get tossed for getting involved from the sideline. Is that not the most Philly thing ever? Big Dom getting in the middle of something? Of course the Philadelphia Eagles have a head of security named Big Dom. And of course, Big Dom managed to bait a Niners linebacker into an ejection. And of course, Philly fan gave Big Dom a standing O for it. Again, only in Philly. Way to Philly it up, Philly. Other than the game itself, that was awesome. 
If only somebody else on that sideline showed up ready for a fight like Big Nick and Big Dom showed up ready for a fight. Hell, Big Dom almost made James Kelly's foster bro, Kyle Shanahan's head, explode. Tried my hardest not to lose my mind. Hopefully I didn't embarrass myself too bad. Um, but yeah, once I, I didn't get to see it all from where I'm at, but when I start hearing people explain it to me and stuff, and um, I just can't believe someone not involved in a football game um, can taunt our players like that and put their hands in our guy's face. And um, from what I was told, um, Dre did it back to him, and I was told that he kind of mashed him in the face a little bit, so he got ejected, but um, it was a... It was a very frustrating play. I got to watch it to have a true opinion on it, but um, I loved how we rallied after it. I'll tell you what, like, I always respect a head coach having his guys' backs, but it is hilarious to see Big Dom get that far under Lobster JR's sons or Lobster JR's skin. I mean, even after the game, it sounded like he was getting an aneurysm. He was like, I mean, he was strung out. Big Dom doing his job. Too bad nobody else on Philly did theirs. Credit to Frisco for going in on the road, having a horrible first quarter, dealing with a hostile environment, garbage weather, and Big Dom, and making it look so easy. Save for that three-game blip, Frisco has been utterly dominant All season. They were utterly dominant again yesterday. They are utterly the most complete team in the NFL. Sirianni and Big Dom wrote checks with their mouths that the Eagles could not cash. But Debo Samuel backed up everything he ever said about the Eagles in the NFC Championship when he basically said it would not have even been close if Big Clock Brock didn't get hurt. Judging by yesterday, he might have been right. It was supposedly this mystery all week as to why Frisco was favored in Philly. Well, you just saw why. They were favored because they have been playing much better than Philly has. Yeah, I know, Philly fan. You had a really rugged 13-day stretch. I get that. I do. But the fact of the matter is, that's why Frisco was favored, and they should have been favored by way more, which is why the head and I... We're all over Frisco on the Friday edition of Big Head Bets. Well, actually, the Big Head was all over Frisco because it's his foster fam. I was all over Frisco because I think that highly of him. Which is not to say that I don't think highly of Philly. But Philly had been living really dangerously for a really long time. Of course, it was going to come back and catch up and bite them in the back at some point. Philly did their best to Philly it up. I'll tell you what wrong what went wrong Siri you're interrupting me during the open way to uh, mess with my train of thought oh no there it is Philly did their best to Philly it up but the power of Philly was not strong enough to overcome the power of Frisco that's not the only power I want to talk about in the open there was another force at play yesterday another force working big time yesterday that force was the karma, the jungle karma, jungle karma. the jungle karma, always powerful enough. Don't believe me? Why don't you go ask the kings of karma right now, the Texans? The karma is flowing in Houston like 
in canals down the streets, rivers of karma, and along with touchdowns and dubs. That right there was a massive win for C.J. Stroud and the Texans to stop these streaking Broncos who had won five straight and put the Texans right on the verge of a playoff spot. Ask me, hell yes, that's a playoff team. The Texans, I'll say it again, the Texans are a playoff team. And C.J., this dude just gets more impressive every single week. And not just for what he's doing, but the way he's doing it. With that swagger, with that attitude, the kind of brass set that had him going toe-to-toe with the linebacker who tried to get in a late shot. Here's what C.J. had to say about that after that little incident after the game. I'm a man, and I'm not going to let somebody just come push me, especially in my house. Like, You're not going to just touch me after the whistle. You clearly hear it. And um, I'm not mad at that dude. Like he play, he playing hard. Try to he maybe try to slow. He didn't, but I, I ain't like it. And I gotta control my composure. At the same time, I'm a man. And uh, like Juicy say, I'm stand on business. So <laughs> come after me. CJ's a man. I love that. Houston, that right there is your franchise quarterback. Of course, the team is in love with that dude. Who wouldn't want to go to battle with that dude? Of course, virtually every one of his teammates came to his defense on the field. I half expected 60,000 Texan fans to run onto the field and have his back. They love this dude, and with good reason. I always go back to that sit-down I had with him on Radio Row last year and how blown away I was with this dude's charisma and his it, and it just keeps growing by the day. And the karma was not only flowing in Houston. Plenty of karma to go around. Jim Ursay's boys have it as well. <laughs> Love to see it. My Love man, you are welcome, it. billionaire. You are welcome, billionaire. I'd love to see it too. In fact, if the Colts keep going like this, they're going to find themselves in the top quartile of the upper quartile of winners. In the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Huh? That, that makes even less sense now than the first time I heard it. But it's more awesome now than the first time I heard it. Can I have that one more time, Alan? In Alan. the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top you, quartile Alan. of that upper quartile. That's rare air. So good. Whatever the hell that means. I love it. You're welcome, billionaire. I am more than happy. Not that I can control it. But I'm more than happy to dole out the jungle karma to you. You're Shout out welcome. to Michael Pittman Jr., Dude popped into the jungle on Friday and then merely walked it off in OT on Sunday. Second and goal. Minshew going back that way. Head zone. Touchdown. Ball game. Colts win. Michael Pittman does it. Of course he did. Was there any doubt for even a second? Of course he did. Made it look easy, too. The 7-5 and five Colts, 7-5. and five. They currently hold the AFC number 7 seed, led by their first-year head coach, without their starting quarterback, and their star running back banged up. Is it okay to say they're having a really good season yet? Do I need to run this by you, JTP? And by the way, JTP, with all due respect, do I need to run anything by you? Because I'm right about this, too. Some of you are pushing back on that. 
when I mentioned that they were having a hell of a year at 6-5. and five. And then they wanted to know why, oh, really? Then why are the Bills melting down at 6-6? Six and six? Nice try, JTP. Now they're 7-5. and five. And by the way, the Falcons also, did we or did we not talk to Desmond Ritter at the end of the week? Did they or did they not win? Jungle karma. Look up at it. It never fails. Jungle karma. The Colts now are not the only surprising 7-5 team. As an example, going the other way, I still can't figure out how the hell the Steelers won seven games. The Steelers have to be the worst 7-5 team ever. And now it's about to get even worse on offense. In fact, way worse. You can imagine this. It's going to get way worse because they've lost tiny hands. Tiny hands. Tiny hands. Although, Alvin, I was about to say, you can lay off the alarm because dude is now hurt. Thank you. It's not appropriate when the guy's hurt. It's really not appropriate anyway, but especially when the man is hurt. Now they've got regulation-sized hands in Mitch Trubisky for at least two to four weeks. And I would say it can't possibly get any worse, but I would never doubt this offense. Not this offense. I mean, apparently running Matthew Nova Scotia into the wood chipper did not solve all of Pittsburgh's problems. And it sounds like their problems are a lot bigger than just who is calling the plays. Check out Jalen Warren after the game, just casually admitting that they really weren't prepared and didn't take the Cardinals seriously enough. Yeah, I guess just taking them lightly, lighter than we should have. Do you feel like that was an issue? Was there a problem in prep, you know, overlooking them? Yeah, could be. Uh-oh! Imagine anything more aggravating to Mike Tomlin than one of his guys saying publicly, yeah, we didn't take him seriously enough. Because it's the greatest indictment ever against the coach. And Tomlin's all about that. All about that. No way would we ever take the field anything short of 100% prepared. Man, I can't wait to hear his reaction. We may finally, finally, finally get some straight fire from him on the X. As soon as that works its way back to him, if it hasn't already. I mean, on the one hand, it's not remotely surprising to hear what he said because anybody who watched that game could tell they didn't show up. They didn't take it seriously enough. But again, it's also completely shocking to hear that from a Mike Tomlin-led team who entered the day 7-4 and four and very much still in it. Again, how the hell has that team won seven games? And what's going on with those dudes? And how pissed must Tomlin be right now? And here's something even more important really to consider. Why do we have to watch the Steelers play the Patriots in primetime this week? You might not have known that. That's a done deal. Why do we have to deal with Mitchell Trubisky and Bailey Zappi this week in a TNF torture special? I'm already sweating that. It's Monday morning at 9.20 my time, and I'm already freaking out about Thursday night. Why, why, why? 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 Why
the league flexed their horrific ass product out of a Monday night with the Patriots. So why have they not done the same for Thursday night? I haven't checked yet, but what's the over-under on Pats v. Steelers? Four? Oh, yeah. Incredible game. Steelers won 3-2. to two. Speaking of over-unders, how pathetic and hilarious was Iowa against Michigan? The Hawkeyes getting shut out was one of the most hilarious, predictable, lucrative things I have ever seen. Of course, because we were all over that. The under. Remember how much fun we had at their expense? Remember the big head and I laughing, laughing like hell at the fact that <laughs> they were .5 for an over-under for an entire half in a championship game? <laughs> and with good reason. They were shut out. Worst <laughs> offense ever in college. It was funny. It was funny and lucrative. Worst offense ever in college. But Pittsburgh and New England are now vying for that distinction in the pros. Now, of course, we don't know if it's going to be Bailey Zappi for New England, since Hood will never tell us. We just know that whoever it is, it's going to be ass. Wait, there's more. After the game, some chowed journo will want to get in another shot on Hood, man, that they've been waiting years and years to deliver. Yesterday, somebody... Somebody finally got enough nerve to ask if he even wants to be there anymore. Bill, do you want to stay here and keep coaching the Patriots? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this week getting ready for the Steelers. Would you listen to that robot? Robot's got like four programmed answers in him. They just pull the string in his back. You think at one point he would just finally not, finally just go off the script and be like, hey man, listen, listen, and tell you how it really feels. Yeah, I'm just looking for the Steelers. Yeah, I'm, I'm just looking forward to the Steelers. Hey, Hood, this guy just straight up asked you, do you even still want to be there? I think if ever, yeah. ever, there was a time to warrant you going off the script and letting us know how you really feel, that would have been the time. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to the Steelers. Yeah, well, you know what, Hood? You're the only one on the planet looking forward to the Steelers game. If you do want to stay and you want to continue coaching the Patriots, you might want to try to score some points. I mean, you do know that you're still the worst team in the AFC, right? Just checking. Bill looking forward to the Steelers makes that a party of one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this week getting ready for the Steelers. Uh, table for one. Table for one, please. The only redeeming takeaway from that Chargers game was that it was buried on a Sunday morning and it was not a standalone in prime time. From the unparalleled goat to, well, he could be a lame duck. This is not something eyes ever thought they would see. When Bill and Brandon Staley shook hands after that game, I went to that lip-reading app. Have you seen that one? The one with Ime Udoka talking all that junk to LeBron. It was incredible. Absolutely incredible. So I went to that same app. I went to that same app and I dropped in the Bill and Brandon Staley discussion when they shook hands. And I think it went something like this. Bill said, good wing, kid. And Brandon said, thanks, coach. And Bill said, you know what's a better win? 
when I blow out of Foxborough in a couple of months. And, and again, I'm getting this from that lip-reading app. Bill said, eh, you know what's even a better win? When I blow out of Foxborough in a couple of months and uh, I rip your job the next day. Hey, you like that? You like that? How's that grab you? How's that grab you? Make sure that fancy office of yours is cleared out by Tuesday after week 18. Nah, scratch that. Start clearing it out right now. I got to find a place to uh, dock my boat. I hear dock slips are pretty hard to come by. Maybe when they fire you, you can be my dock hand. Shine her up. Shine her up every Sunday for me. You know. You know I named her, right? 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 You know I named her Eight Rings. Eight Rings after Super Bowl 53. Hey, hey, stop trying to get away from me. I'm still shaking your hand here. And when you're not shining her up, maybe you can uh, shine my dog Nike up. (laughs) Get it? Take that dog for a walk. W-A-L-K. Say W-A-L-K, though. Because old Nike, when Nike hears it's walk time, Nike gets nice. And by nice, I mean he starts taking dumps everywhere. Maybe I'll buy your house, too. Just say you'll be familiar with the area. You know all the best dog parks, right? Huh? Huh? Enjoy the win, B. If you can call it that. You know I got more rings than you had points today, right? Right? So who's the real winner here, eh, chef? Ah, check that, chief. Hey, wait, are you a chef? Can you cook? I need food, too. Brandon. Um, yeah, okay, coach. Hey, do me a favor. Can you let go of my hand? You're starting to creep me out, goat. And Bill finally ends it with, good talk, Brando. Good talk. See you in your office soon, because it's going to be mine. Flex that crap out. Do not subject me to that Thursday night. You got them out of Monday. How can you not get them out of Thursday? I can't remember. When we come back, an extraordinarily short segment. Because that was an extraordinarily nice segment. I got Ross Tucker coming up at 940. That's always awesome. Eric Kendricks, top of our two. The big head James Kelly, top of our three. I'm not even going to ask the question. Like, I know I'm doing my job. Now do yours. Call the show. Get in here. Make it better. Hit me. 1-800-636-8686. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. So I'm asking for phone calls. So let's get a phone call in here quickly before the bottom of the hour update. Let's go to L.A. Matt in L.A. Matt, what's up? Romy Rome, thanks for the vine. Hey, so uh, I wanted to call last week, but I was a little busy. I'm understanding that the pumpkin pie haircutted freak is at it again with these rumors that he's clamoring to bring back John or er, er, Chunk Gruden for a third go-around with the Raiders. I mean, this is like Richard Pryor being in Superman 3, Romy. We've seen this movie. It's not going to help the franchise. Stop messing around, Marky Mark. Just remove the interim tag from Antonio Pierce already. He's a leader of men and he's the guy that should be steering the pirate ship, not another go-round of Chucky doll, all right? 
I mean, even Al Davis didn't bring back Art Shell for a third go-round. If we're going to re-bring Raider coach retreads back, I'm suggesting maybe Tom Cable. He could punch out anybody who gets him pissed off, or even Hugh Jackson, who was coming to the uh, press conferences like he was Al Capone's henchman. But uh, really, in all reality, Rome, I think AP has earned it. Unless Jim Harbaugh's walking through that door, the Raiders better not do that stupid crap again. That's all I got, Jimmy. A war cow blimpkin using a hoagie on Orioles postgame shows. War belly Clarkson doing whatever the hell she does on TV nowadays. Outro. Seems to me, Matt, you were not ready for me to go to you. Seems to me you thought you would have a longer wait time. Seems to me you thought you could kind of work that coffee, work yourself up, and then bam, you'd go. He, he had to be thinking, well, let me see. Rome's going to talk to Ross Tucker, and then he's going to talk to Eric Kendricks. No way they get me in. I got at least 45 minutes to get right. Instead, it was 45 seconds. Oh, 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 oh hey. Uh, I mean, I didn't even get the normal intro I get from him. He started to kind of build up a little momentum towards the end of the phone call. He almost lost me at... That'd be like having Richard Pryor in Superman 3. I mean, I guess, Matt, it'd be exactly like that. I guess. I, I, I guess. I guess Richard Pryor was in one of those movies. Anyway. Anyway, I said I wanted a phone call, so I got a phone call. Here's my advice to you. If you're on hold, just be ready. Stay ready. So you don't have to get ready. Oh, bam. There is a notion. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready because you don't know how long it's going to be. It could be 30 seconds or it could be 30 days. You just never know. Let me get out. Keep that in mind. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready because it might be 30 seconds and it might be 30 hours. You just don't know. Time for a sports update. Here it is. Andrew Bogus. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. So I'm getting a ton of Matt in L.A. reaction. It's all pretty hilarious. Keep it coming. I'll get to it. I will not forget about it. Keep it coming. Hit me up on the X with it. Right now, though, as promised, we are joined by a former NFL offensive lineman. He is an analyst for CBS Sports, Westwood One, and Odyssey, host of the Ross Tucker podcast, Extremely good friend of the program. He is Ross Tucker. He is everywhere, Ross. Good morning, man. What's going on? How are you? Jim, you tell me, man. Been a minute. I'm excited to talk with you. You're the absolute best, dude. It has been a minute. It's been way too long for us. It's great to have you back. I appreciate you. Ross, let me jump right into it. After being dominated for the first quarter by Philadelphia, the Niners came back. They pretty much destroyed Philly in their house. Let me ask you this, Ross. Does that tell you more about San Francisco, or does it tell you more about Philadelphia? I think probably San Francisco. I mean, I you know, you know, I do a lot of work for the Eagles and, and live in the area, but I pick San Francisco to win the game. Really rough spot for the Eagles. I mean, you know, think about it, two weeks earlier. Well, first of all, before that, they beat the Cowboys. Then 
They play at Kansas City on a Monday night, Jim. We all know they were down 10, came back to win that game. They get back Tuesday at 4 a.m., so they're behind for that week. But then what really happened is playing the Bills last Sunday in overtime, you're talking about guys like Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat playing 80-some snaps. Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter, the two young defensive tackles, playing the most snaps of their career. Plus, they didn't have Dallas Goddard at tight end. They didn't have by far their best linebacker, Zach Cunningham. I thought the Eagles would lose the game. I did not think they would get blown out like that. I think what was probably most surprising, Jim, is that the first quarter, the Eagles were dominating. I mean, the first quarter, the Eagles marched on two drives, bogged down inside the red area, had to settle for field goals. The Niners had negative six yards on six plays in the first quarter. For them to then score six straight touchdowns is unbelievably impressive. I don't care who you're doing that against. Six straight touchdowns in the NFL is ridiculous, but especially on the road against a 10-1 and team. 100%. I totally agree with you. Ross Tucker joining us. Ross, let me ask you this. Where do you come out on Brock Purdy? And I bring this up because he put up huge numbers. And again, there's always been this skepticism about, is this guy really who we think he is? I mean, he's been dismissed in some circles because he was Mr. Irrelevant, because he plays for a genius and an amazing system, because he's got all these skill and playmakers all around him. Where do you come out on Purdy? Is he great? Are they are they great in part because of him or in spite of him? What is your bottom line on him? Yeah, I think he's awesome. I think he's right now a top five quarterback in the NFL. But we don't see that, Jim, for two reasons, right? I mean, number one, and this is a big pet peeve of mine, how long draft status stays with guys. You know, I mean... Think about how many opportunities like Zach Wilson got with the Jets because of where he was drafted. If Zach Wilson was drafted where Purdy was drafted, he would have been cut two years ago. But he was the second overall pick, so they get chances and chances and chances. Meanwhile, because Purdy was a late seventh-round pick, everybody's skeptical of him. You know, if you go back, Jim, people were skeptical of Brady even after he won that first Super Bowl. There were people that still thought the Patriots should go back to Bledsoe after Brady won that first Super Bowl. The other thing that hurts Purdy in the eyes of public perception, he doesn't have that many wow plays, right? Like he doesn't run like Lamar or Josh Allen. He doesn't have a bazooka and make crazy throws like Mahomes or again, Josh Allen. He's like Brady. I'm not saying he's Tom Brady. Like Everybody relax. I'm just saying he's like Brady in the sense that what he does is processes information very quickly and throws the ball on time to the right person at the right time. And you know what, Jim? Nobody ever says wow about that. Nobody's ever like, oh, did you see that read? Or did you see that? You see the way he got rid of the ball in two seconds to do that eight yard in cut? No, they don't say that because. What he does doesn't wow you visually unless you really understand how important it is to be able to process things and throw the ball with the ball placement that he uses. I just don't think most casual observers, when they turn on the game and it's 20 million people watching, there's nothing that Purdy does that wows them, which is why he'll never get the credit 
that he deserves unless he wins probably multiple championships. That's why he's an Ivy man. Ross Tucker breaking it down. So, Ross, you know, on DraftKings right now, Purdy is the odds-on favorite to win the MVP. Let me ask you something. Could you make an argument that Tyreek Hill is not only in the conversation, but maybe should actually be leading that conversation for MVP, even though a wide receiver has never won the award? Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that? is I think you can make an argument for McCaffrey, too, in San Francisco, which which might almost hurt Purdy, which is why his odds being what they are now at DraftKings is really interesting to me. Because you watch the Niners play, McCaffrey is awesome, and that's who they're trying to get the ball to. Same with Tyreek Hill in Miami. I mean, it's crazy, Jim. I mean, you and I have been doing this a long time now. To see the outright fear that defensive backs have for that guy. And every week, you know what this is like. Every week, the first thing they talk about in the team meeting, Wednesday morning, 8 a.m., how are we going to stop Tyreek Hill? The guys, we just can't let him get behind us. We just can't let him give up the big play. And then he still does week after week after week. Uh, And I always think in, in situations like that, it's like, who would you rather them not have? Like, if you were playing the Dolphins, would you rather go up against the Dolphins without Tyreek Hill or without Tua? That probably gives you a little bit of an indicator there. And I think you can say the same thing about the Niners. If you went up against the Niners, would you rather them not have Purdy or not have McCaffrey? It's really interesting because I, I do think Purdy should be a, a very viable MVP candidate, just like Tyreek. But I also think that the Niners are still trying to run their offense through McCaffrey as much as they possibly can. Like, if the Niners players voted, they might vote for McCaffrey because they know how integral he is to what they're doing. Hey, Raj, you know what's amazing? Leave me with this thought. The, the amazing thing to me about San Francisco is not just the skill in the playmakers, but how physical their playmakers are. Would you agree? Absolutely. I love the way they play football. They're skill guys, you know, and there's a lot of skill guys that they don't really want to try to run through people. They don't really want to block. Do you see the way they block downfield for each other? It was impressive. Debo Samuel is a man. McCaffrey running through people. George Kittle's the same way. And that's something that Shanahan looks for. He specifically looks for guys that are great at yards after the catch that have that dog in them. And he knows exactly where to get them the ball so they have the ability to showcase that unique skill. Hey, Ross, I got about 60 seconds. How are you playing tonight's game? I think the number is 10 right now. Jags playing on a Monday night. Would you lay those points? 10's a lot. 10's a lot. Earlier in the week on the Even Money betting podcast, I teased the Jags down from laying 8.5 to laying 2.5, and and I paired them with the Jets as well as the Titans. So, I really need, for the Even Money Betting Podcast, Jim, I need the Jaguars to win by at least three tonight. Um, At this point, I never lay 10 in the NFL. I would not lay 10 in the NFL, even as much as I like the Jaguars in that game. I think that's really interesting what you just said, that you never, ever lay double digits in the NFL. I, I agree. That number always, always scares me. He is a former NFL offensive lineman. He is an analyst for CBS Sports, Westwood One, and Odyssey. He has become an empire onto himself. He is Ross Tucker. Ross, great job, dude. I appreciate you so much. Always great to have you on. Well done. Of course. Thank you so much, Jim. Appreciate it. Ross, you're the best. I mean, and I always say this when Ross leaves, but it's a guy that works – 
nonstop, shows up like this every single time, amazing insight, incredible anecdotally and conversationally, and put in a long, long day yesterday and shows up for us today, and I'm not the first thing he's done today. That is an absolute pro. Absolute pro. And a guy that I admire a hell of a lot, Ross Tucker, joining us. All right, so you know what else I like? I like the phones ringing. I see it. I see you. I like it. I'm going to get you in. You have my word. 1-800-636-8686. And yes, I have definite thoughts on the college football committee, the playoff committee, and whether or not they got that right or not, whether or not Florida State got screwed or not, whether or not this is what we want, whether or not Jack Savage is fighting the entire state of Florida. I have thoughts on all those things. I've just been holding off. Eric Kendricks joins me next. And then after that, your reaction to Matt in L.A. still and my thoughts on the playoffs. Stay tuned.